Well, hello, hello. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Through the Wealth Lens. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff. It's good to be back with you here on season two of the show. And as always, we have our stars of the show joining me in just a moment, and that's Hannes Grasher, private wealth advisor over at UBS International, and Max Grasher, fellow UBS advisor. And we're going to be unpacking yet another wealth management-related topic here on the show today. That's what we do here. Uh, and you know, we've got a really interesting topic today's title, or excuse me, today's episode entitled "Rights and Returns: What to Consider When Selling Your Music Catalog." So, where did this idea even come from? Well. After the COVID-19 uh, pandemic had really shocked the world, especially for artists and musicians out there that were leaning on performing gigs to support themselves and to really propel their career forward, well, when those gigs dried up a little bit during the pandemic, a lot of high-profile musicians started leaning on making the decision to sell one of their most prized possessions, and that's their entire music catalog. So today, we thought it would be appropriate to analyze this idea of selling your music catalog and go through some of the important factors that you should be considering when an artist is going through this process of making one of the biggest decisions in their lives. But before we get right into it, let's go ahead and bring the guys out. Hannes, Max, good to see you guys this morning. How are you doing? Hey, Ryan. Great to see you again. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Excited to be back. Yeah, always, always good to be back with you guys. This is a really, really cool conversation today. I'm excited about this one. So let's kick things off at a high level. What are some of the biggest deals that you guys have been seeing since the pandemic has begun in this high profile artist world of, of selling their catalogs? Set the scene for us, if you will. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, to start, I'll just provide some context on how quickly the trend has taken off. So in 2021 alone, you know, the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, over $5 billion was spent on music acquisitions. So, you know, some of the biggest names that we've seen who have profited off this are artists like Bruce Springsteen. Um, he sold his catalog for over $500 million. Tina Turner, who partially sold the rights to her music uh, for around $50 million. The late Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac, um, she sold her entire catalog for an undisclosed amount. Um, and then even David Bowie's estate, um, you know, they sold his publishing rights for around $250 million, just huge numbers. Um, and, you know, while these artists are certainly older and from another era, um, you know, and at certain points in their career, or, you know, some of them already deceased, like as in the case of David Bowie's estate, the trend doesn't just stop with them. Um, artists such as The Weeknd, Drake, Justin Bieber, uh, John Legend, you know, have all either sold several songs or entire entire catalogs for pretty hefty paydays. Got it. I mean, they really are some hefty numbers that you mentioned there, Max. And and let's take this a step further. Are there any particular reasons why there has been just this desire of late by these already extremely successful artists? to engage in these kind of deals? Yeah, hi, Ryan. So first, I'll address the motivation among musicians I grew up listening to and whose concerts I attended. Much like myself, these baby boomer artists are getting older and most simply can't tour and generate music at the same rate they used to. You know, I can't imagine staying out till 2 a.m. at a rock concert these days, and most of them have a few years on me. And like anyone else their age, these musicians have retirement estate plans, hopefully if they were smart, and they want to make sure that those plans get executed as they planned. You know, let's, let's take a look at an example here. 
uh, say an artist re receives annual royalties of about $600,000 a year and has an offer on the table to sell her entire catalog for $9 million. So royalties are taxed at ordinary income, and most of these individuals are in the highest tax bracket. So if she instead sells her catalog, the sale is taxed as a long-term capital gain, which is significantly less. So if we run the numbers and compare, compare her selling the catalog versus keeping it and retaining the annual income, portfolio preferences and asset allocations and estimated returns the same, she ends up with over $2 million more in the next 20 years if she sells her catalog. So a decision like this can mean giving significantly more to a charitable cause she is passionate about or family members she wants to support during or after her life. And as we've mentioned many times before, the three buckets of wealth management, liquidity, longevity, and legacy are always top of mind. So selling the catalog in many instances means achieve, achieving their goals set in the latter two buckets. And Ryan, from the perspective of the younger, already very wealthy and successful artists like Drake's, like the Drake's and the Weekends, um, it's really just the smart business decision. So, I mean, Jay-Z said in one of his songs once, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. So, you know, selling catalogs or even a select number of songs is really a, simply just a good business decision for their brands. Um, you know, they profit, the profit they make as opposed to holding on to the songs and collecting royalties saves a fair amount of money in taxes, which anyone with wealth that stays wealthy will do. Um, additionally, it's important to think about asset diversification. So the song or catalog is strictly tied to the music and entertainment industry. It's not very diversified. If you sell the rights and collect a nice payday from the sale, those funds can be used to further diversify in other asset classes. So maybe the stock and bond markets, real estate, um, and other industries, you know, they might be interested in. So aside from giving yourself potential for more long-term growth, you can limit your losses in tough economic conditions or when it isn't possible to perform live shows and tours, you know, like we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, guys, there's no doubt that there's a tremendous amount of upside and the benefits to the sale of a catalog. But, you know, as we talk about on this show, a decent amount is, you know, while there are great strategies and solutions that exist in different areas of wealth planning, there's also the mistakes that can be made. And I think equally can be beneficial when you talk about them in the right light. So let's look at that flip side, then what are some of the disadvantages of selling your music catalog? So the main disadvantage, I would say, Ryan, um, are you know probably costs that are non-financial in nature. So really the loss of control the artist once had over the songs or the catalog. Um, for example, you know, let's just take a look at the recent news with Neil Young and Spotify. So his music did used to be on Spotify, um, but he requested that the platform pull it because there was a podcast that the platform hosted um, that he didn't agree with. So he didn't want to be associated with them while they, that podcast was still on the same platform. Um, Spotify wasn't actually required to, you know, listen to him and take it off. But, you know, the catalog that he sold it to prior, Warner Music Group, um, essentially honored what he wanted to do, but not always the case. So, you know, similar situation, 
his former bandmate in uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, David Crosby, he wanted to do the same thing. However, Iconic Artist Group, the company he sold his catalog to in 2021, uh, they refused to do so, um, as it really would have significantly affected their bottom line. So, um, you know, not always a great situation for those who want con full control over their catalogs. Yeah, control definitely being a disadvantage there, Max. And and guys, out of curiosity here, who is who's who is involved? Who is on the other side then of these transactions? Well, Ryan, there are a number of potential buyers, and it's worth noting that the buyers of music catalogs are usually looking for long-term investments and to generate income through licensing, royalties, and other revenue streams. So as a result, you have a number of financial players in this area, such as venture capital firms, private equity firms, and hedge funds who acquire these, these catalogs as an investment. And, you know, of course, they want to generate income um, and, um, you know, and make money on these, right? So an example of this is the Hypnosis Songs Fund, which is a company that acquires music rights and is listed on the London Stock Exchange. And interestingly, it was co-founded by legendary music artist and producer Niall Rogers, who co-founded the group Chic, which produced songs like I Want Your Love and Le Freak. I don't know if you remember this, you know, it's Chic, Le Freak. Um, so um, here you have an artist who recognized the value of these catalogs as an artist, but also as an investor. And there are other buyers of music publishers, music, you know, music publishers are companies that acquire the rights to music catalogs in order to exploit them through licensing, sings, and other revenue streams. And they also manage the catalogs, ensure the songs are getting placed in various media and merchandising uh, venues. So some of these examples are Sony ATV Music uh, Publishing, Warner Chappelle Music, and Universal Music Publishing Group. You also have music libraries among the buyers. These libraries are companies that acquire music catalogs and licenses them for use in various media, such as film, television shows, commercials, and video games. And there's examples like Extreme Music, First Com Music, and Killer Tracks. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you have the streaming services that we all know, the Spotify's, Apple Music of the world, who also acquire these catalogs in order to expand their offering to their customers and, and to ensure that they have a, a wide variety of music to offer. And then also you have music royalty companies who specialize in collecting, managing, and monetizing musical royalties, you know, such as Royalty Exchange at SongVault. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you sharing the who there, Hannes, because there are really a lot of different uh, players at the table that would be interested in these music catalogs. And that's certainly some valuable information for anybody out there with clients that might fall into these categories. But let's move on to the next point. And, and when an artist is approaching this moment, and let's say they were impacted maybe by COVID's pandemic and, and were unable to book those gigs or just looking for another source of revenue, and maybe they're considering now selling their catalog or maybe not even the full catalog, but just a number of songs that might exist within it, what would you say is you know, the, the strongest course of action that he or she could take you know, to ensure that maybe a best decision is made or at least some best practices are followed? Sure. So as with anything in the business world that involves large amounts of money being negotiated that can significantly influence the artist's future, make sure you have a great team around you to help you through the process. I mean, just like our entrepreneur clients selling their business they've worked so hard to build over many years, the artist is no different. 
I just mentioned who these sophisticated buyers are, and the artist will almost certainly have less experience in the sale than the buyer on the other side. So make sure you have a seasoned entertainment lawyer or an M&A attorney, a CPA, a valuation expert, financial advisor, and possibly several other experts you know, in your corner. All of these individuals will provide the necessary knowledge and experience to ensure the artist walks away with the result they want. And so, you know, for our, in our case, you know, we, as part of our virtual family office, we have access to experts who are experienced in these fields and we'll make sure the artist is protected and can achieve, achieve his or her objectives. No, that's great stuff. And how often, Hannes and Max, are we talking about that team of professionals? And I feel like our conversations always come back to those. So, I mean, there you have it, folks. I mean, this this rising trend that we're seeing in the music industry of people selling their catalogs is not one that should be taken lightly. There are a lot of different players at the table here, uh, but there's opportunity, of course, as we just as uh, Max, you know, shared with us at the beginning of the show here. And so, to any athlete or entertainer out there. Uh, you know, there is a trusted advisor out there for you that can answer questions for you and help walk through this complicated landscape. So, Hannes, in that same vein, if somebody is out there and they're they they're scratching their head because they have questions or they want to make sure that uh, if they not only just explore this avenue, but maybe go down it full throttle, but would like to have that team of advisors and, and you know, that are trusted within their corner, uh, what would be the best way they could reach out to you and your team just to open up a dialogue and pick your brain on their situ your, their unique situation? Sure. I mean, certainly on the, the podcast, there's a link to our website um, where they can reach us and they can also call us directly at 212-713-8952 or just reach out to us via email at hannes.grasher at ubs.com. And we can certainly you know have a conversation and then put them in touch with the right people. Fantastic. Well, guys, look, I appreciate you carving some time out of your day. Really interesting topic here. We've had some fun ones here in season two on the show, and uh, I'll let you get back to serving your clients and doing what you do best. But thanks again, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, thanks Ryan. You as well. All right. Hey, look, we want to take one final moment, as always, and thank you guys, our audience, for stopping by and hanging out with us on the show today. If you took anything away from today's conversation surrounding this idea of selling a music catalog and you benefited from it in any way, shape, or form, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you listen to us today on. That way you never miss out on a future conversation between Hannes, Max, myself, where we unpack these different you know, nuanced areas within the world of wealth management. Before Hannes, for Max, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long, though. But we appreciate you once again stopping by and being with us on Through the Wealth Lens. This communication is intended to be used for educational purposes only and does not constitute a solicitation to purchase any security, insurance, or advisory service. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. An investment in any security involves significant risks, and any investment may lose value. Refer to all risk disclosures related to each security product carefully before investing. This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products and services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary.